you know, Lance, as you know, when you're out there kind of doing your thing and you're by yourself, you, you, you develop that innate ability psychologically to say, all right, I can, I can go a little bit harder. I can push myself a little bit further. Now that person behind me, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> right. to, I'm going to tease them now. Right. Here I go. Right. And, and I think kids, you know, you don't give them a, a blue ribbon for participating. You give them a blue ribbon for being hungry and they have to earn it over time. And I, I've got three kids and I, you know, it just kind of drove me crazy. And I keep using soccer that, you know, these, these kids would get anything and everything after a soccer game. I said, that's nonsense. That's utter nonsense. Make them earn the bloody thing. All right, welcome to the show, Dave Scott. Thank you, Lance. A, leg- nice to be a, on. a legend of this of this uh, of this sport of this event. Six Ironmans, their first first victory in 1980. God, you just before mm. we came on, you were talking about how old you are. Now I realize you, you really are kind of old. <laughs> well, that, that, I am kind of old, and you, you're a smart guy. You can do the math. So I'm getting up there right now, 63 plus plus years. So uh, yeah, that's old. It's amazing. I mean, you you and again, you know, so you win in '80, and and you make this this run, eventually winning six and. We before we uh, had you on today, we had a, a great conversation with an old friend of yours, an old rival of yours, Mark Allen, and of course that that story and y'all's relationship, for lack of a better word, really became the world story and a relationship that the world could a- appreciate in 1989 in what was you know arguably the greatest uh, endurance sporting event really ever. And I was telling JB before you called up that I was actually there in 1989. I won a local triathlon in Dallas. And the first prize was an all expense paid trip to Kona to watch the Ironman. And I had, I was, I was an eight, 17, 18 year old kid. I went there and I mean, to see that day, I was, it, 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 in a lot of ways, it really sort of changed my life. It was that Epic is a word that everybody tosses around, but it was, it was, it was monumental for me. So. Well, we didn't we didn't know at the time we were uh, recording history, and uh, I think that particular race was set up well prior before the gun went off. Uh, we had collided in Australia earlier in the year, and I was having a great race, had a lead on Mark, and he ran me down. It was thirty k on the end of the run. This was April, so I was. For me, I was pretty fit. Mark was obviously fit. And then we, we didn't really race the rest of the year until Kona, October. And um, everyone kept saying, this is the year that Mark is going to finally put it together and, um, you know, watch out. And we had a number of uh, exchanges. And actually, Mark and I never talked about this for about 10 years after this race. There was a, a press conference before the race. And they asked me, Dave, what do you think you can do? And, and I, I just responded candidly. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't arrogant. I just said, you know, I think I'm pretty consistent on the swim. I'm already always about 50 minutes now. I'll ride maybe 435. Um, it's about 25 miles an hour. That, at that time, that would be pretty good. And uh, and then I said, well, I can run six minute pace and that's 237.30. And everyone was, you know, pretty taken back and aghast by that. Mark and I joked about it again about 10 years later. But I think he went home and went to sleep on that and said, you know, I, I got to stay with this guy. And obviously the outcome dictated that. And he, and he was there. How fast did you guys, what, what was the marathon split uh, for y'all? 
Well, the, the actual running time, Lance, is not recorded in the books because there, was, there wasn't chip timing at that time. So the T2, a transition between the bike and run, was folded into the run time. And I, I had a close friend who came out here to all the races, and he's kind of a, a human calculator, and his name is Pat. And, and, and Pat said, well, your run time is marked was 238 high, and I was 239. I think in the records it's at 240, 241, and I think that's what it went down as. But the actual runtime, less the transition, was what I just cited. And I didn't realize this, and, and I, get, I brought this up to Mark, so for the listener at home, this, this will be a little repetitive. But I, I, I thought to myself, because so much in sports, especially endurance sports, whether you're watching the swimming uh, at the Olympics or you're watching uh, the Tour de France, the, you know, the times on the climbs or times in the pool or just comparing different generations, different years. And we're talking, we're talking about 1989. And this is what I said to Mark too. So Mark went 809, 14, you went 810, 13. So just under a minute. And then I thought, gosh, that seems pretty fast. I wonder where that goes. And then I scroll up here on Wikipedia that puts Mark in second and you in third last year. I mean, think yeah. just, I mean, no, no, no speed suits in the swim. You know, bikes that you can't even look at the pictures of the bikes back then. They're so ugly and look so, yeah. so. And when the point Pretty that I, yep, I made to, to Mark, too, is, is let's not forget the condition of the pavement on the Queen K. Huge difference. I mean, the fact that you guys, uh, it, it's that to, that to me is really, it's been almost 30 years. That, that, I can't believe that. <laughs> yeah, it stayed around for a long time. I, you know, the dynamics of the racing now is a little bit different. And the, the athletes that are racing, Jan Ferdano and the lot that are chasing them are, are, are brilliant athletes. And they're a lot faster runners than I ever was in my heyday. But yet they haven't done it over here in Kona. And, 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 I'm, and I'm hoping they will. Uh, you know, I think looking at their, you know, half marathon time, 70.3 times off the bike, you know, they're extraordinary. They're running 110 or better. And, you know, to me, that would translate that they should be able to run 230s, mid-230s here, but they can't, you know, no one has done it yet. And the dynamics that are different, there's a lot of accelerations on the bike. I think a lot of people are really wary about just being aggressive and say, you know, I can ride at this watt, at this watt load, I'm just going to take off and maintain that pace. And so there's a lot of jackrabbiting and there's these huge accelerations, very similar, to, you know, to your days in cycling, you always had to be kind of ready to see what the leaders were going to do. If you're in the front of that big, gigantic legal peloton on the bike, you're, you're not going to get the big disparity. And I've told athletes that I've coached, I said, don't be number 18 in there because you're going to be hitting 600 watts and going back down to 300 and going up to 600 again. And, and I think a lot of those guys aren't prepared to do that in the race and they get off the, off the bike. And in the first mile, and I've seen this on Lee Drive many, many, many years, all of a sudden that field is decimated, and you'll see one to two minutes difference in the, in the tide. When we raced, uh, it wasn't a steady state. Mark said, oh, I was like a jackrabbit out there. And I said, really? I thought I was like a metronome. Yeah. And, uh, and he said the same thing on the run. Uh, but I think we didn't have the huge variation that the athletes do now. Yeah. You know, the, 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 it, you know and I don't want to bring up a sore subject, but I, I imagine, not that it's sore because you've lived with this for a long time, and it, and it happened. I mean... But you, I don't know what was going through your mind. According to Mark, a little while ago, he he got away from you at one aid station with about a mile and a half to go. You had you had won, you know, six of these already. I'm sure you you just you told the press before you were going to run 237. That that wins, you know, eight days out of the week. 
um, it, but yet he got away. What 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 were you? What were you thinking? Were you were you were you thinking this is what? Well, I'll let you answer. But I mean, what is that like? Watching him get away. Well, I'll back up a little bit. Uh, at the time in the aid stations, it was always a right-hand handoff. I had the inside lane uh, going along Lee Drive until only about three miles, and Mark realized that he always had to fall back and, and you know get the the second handoff and then surge back up. And so I remember it, it, this very definitively. And it's not sour grapes. It was a very good tactical move. He had now the inside, and I said, "Oh, not a problem." I'll just drop back six to 10 meters and then surge up, get my aid, make sure I do it. And I did that at, at every aid station. And even on the turn, I, I had thought, well, now I'm going to have the inside. Mark was pretty aggressive. He came back on the inside. And so I had all these surges. So your question, uh, at mile 23, I said, I'm going to break Mark when we get to the top of Polani Hill. I mean, my running form is unsightly. It's dreadful. And, and you know, he runs like a gazelle. But I said, well, we're at the top of the hill. I can just go down that hill like a bowling ball. I'm going to blast blast him. And at mile 23, I had dropped back again to get aid. And it took me almost a mile just to kind of get up to his shoulder. And uh, Lance, I know you're familiar with the terrain out here. We're at the base of Polani Hill. It's kind of a long gradient. It's about eight-tenths of a mile. Uh, you know, three to five percent, maybe six percent in one little segment of it. And I said, I'm going to get to the top of the hill. And that's it. Mark had a different tactic. We got to the bottom of that hill. I had just come next to him shoulder to shoulder and he stepped on it. And my first response was, well, wait a second, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab your shorts and get back here because I'm going to do the same thing to you and get to the top of the hill. But, you know, of course, I had to answer it. And um, for every stride, he was gaining another six inches. And we got to the top of that hill and, and I, it was there was a big uh, fragment of time, about 33 to 35 seconds. I had heard at the top, and I just knew it didn't matter if I ran a three-minute mile coming downhill. I wasn't going to catch him, and, yeah. and that was the time differential at wow. the end less than a minute. Wow. You know, the, 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 thank you for sharing that. that the, 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 how old were you in 89 when, 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 the, when the Iron War took place? Uh, I was 35. 35, because then you retired not that long after, and then, and then you came back. And did an Ironman when you were 42 and got fifth place. Now, put that in your pipe and smoke it for a minute. I mean, that is. <laughs> I mean, amazing. I mean, forget. Well, I mean, I, you, 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 one could argue that winning six is impressive, but coming, taking time away, coming back at 42 years old with all these young guns and getting fifth, one could argue that's even more impressive. I mean, oh. well, I'll back up a couple of years. Uh, I had, I had kind of a five-year hiatus. I tried to tried to race, and I, and I had a few injury issues, and, and uh, my two boys were born during that time period, uh, 1989 and 1990. My, uh, Ryan, my oldest one, was a, just an infant when we raced in 89. And uh, Steve was planned. I was late 38, and uh, Dave McGillivray, who's been involved with Boston Marathon, runs, runs the event for years and years and years, we're the same age. He raced in 1980. He said, Dave, you got to go back and do it again. I said, I know you still got the bug. You know, what are you waiting for? And, and that was enough to say, all right, I'm just, just going to go back. And it wasn't a vendetta against Mark. It wasn't, you know, I've, I'm in the mix of everything. I just wanted to see, you know, what I could do. So I came back at 40. And uh, that year I got second behind Greg Welch. He, he beat me on the run, which just disturbs me to this day because <laughs> his, his run wasn't brilliant, but it was tactical. And he, 
he kind of pulled away in the energy lab. I, got, I was within 11 seconds of him. And we came out of the energy lab, and it was about a minute 20. And then he just knew that that was, that was a margin. I think we were three-plus minutes at the end. So your conversation was two years later now. was 42. This is 1996. And uh, quietly, you know, and I was quiet about it except to family and friends. I said, you know, I think I can win this year. Wow. And uh, I had a, just a wickedly bad swim. I realized people were that were around me weren't the guys I wanted to be with. They were up ahead, but I couldn't bridge the gra- gap. And I said, you know, on the bike, I just felt extraordinary. I had spent some time in Steamboat Springs in Colorado, and I, and I was stronger on the bike. And, you know, all my times, I, I, you know, I just knew I had a good engine on the bike. But ironically, on that day, my legs were so flat. And I, I, I just kept thinking, oh, they're going to come around, come around. They, and they never did. And it was sort of this moment at about 85 miles where I said, you know, quit feeling sorry for yourself. See what you can do on the marathon. And I didn't know how many guys had gone by me. It just seemed like droves. And I didn't know until really the next day. But I was in 26th place mm-hmm. off the bike. And uh, I had hollered to my friends. I said, just tell me where number 10 is. I got to get in the top 10 in this bloody race. You know, this is a hellish day for me. But if I can get in the top 10, why not? So I, I ran 245 and I ended up in fifth. I just ran out of real estate. I needed about a 60K run. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're the only person out there that wanted that that day. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, that was probably long enough for everyone else, but I, I felt pretty darn good after going by some of those guys that went by, went by me on the bike. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, that day in itself was solid. You know what I am dying to ask you, Dave, is, you know, so much has changed in in sports science, and we know so much more about active recovery and more rest than you guys were probably doing back then. We have newer technologies like cryotherapy and. You know, people are more diligent with massages, things like that. Uh, I imagine you guys, you know, in your heyday, you weren't doing all those things. You're probably hammering it a lot more. Is that true? Uh, uh, pretty much. I, I think Mark was a lot more cognizant of, of recovery and getting a massage routinely. And, and, I, and I was a guy, you know, just like I was a caveman. I said, you know, I got to really deserve that. I'll get a, you know, I get a one massage a month or something, which was ludicrous. And you know, a lot of the modalities of looking at re- looking at uh, recovery, if you're looking at blood or or uh, urine or, or you're looking at muscle enzymes, we just, you know, we we weren't a, we were aware of that, but it wasn't uh, implemented into the sport. And so it was just like, gee, I feel OK today. I'm going to go out and smash myself. And that was kind of my mentality to, to a fault in a lot of ways. I think I was kind of on the edge uh, for a lot of the training, but I, I did have some time off. Part of it was just you know, psychologically induced, I said, God, you know, I, you know, put the pressure on myself. And so it's kind of like an alcoholic. It was either all or nothing for me. If I had a, a 60 mile ride and I could only do 40, well, I, I wouldn't do it. And so, you know, you just kind of build up these days where you're not doing anything. And I put on weight and I said, Oh God, this is real bad. So I, uh, I think in hindsight, it might've saved me, but come kind of back to your question. You know, I didn't have any, any sort of real treatment that uh, allowed me to, um, uh, you know, just try to develop my, I don't know, top end or potential. We just didn't look into the science as much, even though I have a science background. Yeah, and the reason I bring that up, with those six victories, the fact that you could stay healthy with that sort of pounding, knowing what we now know about it, it makes it even more remarkable, in my opinion. 
Yeah. Well, a lot of the guys did multiple Ironman races. I only had a couple of years where I did two. I went over to Japan and, and did, did that race and then went, went on to, uh, to race in Kona. And uh, a lot of guys I raced in started doing multiple races, three or four. And I just felt like that, that was the wrong thing. It was hard to build back up again. And just, you know, particularly if you're able to run hard, that eccentric load that you have, it just crushes you. And so I, I felt like those guys were going to be damaged goods when they got to October. But, you know, Mark was pretty savvy. He, he kind of picked and uh, chose his races and, and, you know, through the years, I think obviously was frustrated with his results in Kona. And then he was able to figure it out in 89. How many because you have a, you have, a, you have the, this very successful coaching business that 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 you probably do a, a bit in person and quite a bit online or, or over the phone with athletes? How many athletes in that stable? Uh, it's it's very a lot, uh, Lance. I've I've had you know a fortunate opportunity to work with a lot of great athletes, uh, and, and I got them when they were they were already pretty darn good. Chrissy Wellington, world champion, Craig Alexander. Oh, yeah. Rachel Joyce and uh, Julie Dibbins, and I, I had a number of them that were in my swim group, and then I'd sort of counsel them. And then I kind of got to the point where, you know, it's a labor of love. I always, always enjoyed it in the interaction. And, um, uh, and then when I, when I, you know, had this, uh, this interaction, all of a sudden I said, you know, I'm doing this 24 7. So, I've kind of segued to uh, four camps at uh, Hawala Life, uh, Four Seasons. I have Dave Scott Institute there. This will be our third year coming up in 2018. So I have four camps. They're really hands-on. I'm there uh, all day long, and we limit the number to five to nine per camp. So I'm doing that. I have some online programs that we're going to be launching uh, real soon and a kind of a membership program that's content-based. Uh, We've been shooting these videos, a lot of them here on the island. Uh, we have just shy of 100 videos that we're going to kind of roll out. So uh, I've been working pretty darn hard for a lot, for a lot of years, and hopefully this, this program's going to do well. Uh, the coaching part, I still like fixing people's programs. I like saying, gee, well, you know, why is your coach doing that? That just seems idiotic. Uh, a lot of coaches, you know, I, I, I don't have an ego in it other than I just want to help their athlete. A lot of the coaches will say, you know, I don't want Dave Scott to interfere with what we're doing. He's got – totally, you know, chaotic ideas. And I, you know, to me, I just think, well, you know, I, I, maybe I can help you out. Why don't we talk? So I do a number of those. Yeah, I was just going to say, Debbie, I mean, it's like imagine you're, you're you know, Coach Char the Tri-Coach Charlie Smith in Kansas City and you've got some person and, and, and they reach out to you and then he, this person goes, the athlete goes back to Coach Charlie Smith and says, you know, my, I talked to this guy. He says it's, this isn't right. And then Charlie Smith says, well, who, who did you talk to? And they go, Dave Scott. <laughs> I mean, what is to poor Charlie Smith? Like, he's just. <laughs> well, you're pretty, you're pretty harsh, Lance. I mean, I, you know, I, I think you know, as you know, you can kind of get up that ladder. All of a sudden, you know, you're peaking, and you can ask, well, what did you do in your train? What did you do? And they can look, a, you know, maybe a little bit different on three or four of the days. So, uh, you know, when that when when that happens, and I think, well, you know, a lot of it's an art form. And, you know, when we're looking at the art form, we better look at the best athletes and what they're doing because they, they've kind of figured it out and then integrate the science part as well. So, you know, I, I'm kind of open to helping if it works. Uh, you know, I, I, would, I would like to know if you have any thoughts on the state of it for professionals. You know, because I, I don't think you got into it for the money. And a lot of I don't think many people do. They're just, <laughs> and is it improving for, I mean, you, you could sit there and say, this is the most grueling one day event in the world. 
and these people should be compensated well for it. Is there any improvement in the sport of how to get it more exposure, TV time, sponsors? I mean, can you is it better for a professional athlete now? Well, I think it's better at the top. Certainly, the top the top ones make a good good living on it because they have good you know financial help from corporate sponsors. They do okay with prize money. There's some. There's a couple races. Uh, you know, I know Daniela won the million dollars last year. There's three, uh, four races. Uh, just to clarify, when I when I started the sport, I'll tell you, you, if you got a can of soup for winning, it was a good deal. I got a T-shirt for the first four Ironman victories here, and I, I had uh, Nike. They were my my original sponsor, and I remember signing a deal with them. And in I had won an eighty, I won again in eighty two. And I thought, well, this is great. I'm on to stardom and a lot of cash. And I remember they gave me $6,000 and a lot of shoes and, <laughs> and some T-shirts. I said, well, I'm on my way. You know, I'm rich. Yeah, you're rich. <laughs> and, uh, the, you know, the first first four wins here, it really was a T-shirt. We paid for our way over here. Wow. And, and they'd say, gee, Dave, we'd like, we'd like to have you come back again. I said, okay, that sounds good. I'll come back. But the fifth victory in 86 for me, one of the locals, I think he felt – badly for us knowing that there wasn't any prize money he put up $8,000 so I won 8,000 that year and 10 the next year and I had some bonuses but it was a pretty paltry amount uh, comparatively trying to get back to your question um, worldwide I, I'd say that there's a maybe a little over a hundred plus men uh, this is in the ITU as well and doing 70.3 in Ironman races and I might be low on this that are, that are making a decent living uh, a lesser number with the women, probably 70 to 90 top is pretty heavy, but the money overall in the sport is, is pretty minuscule. And uh, I, I think, you know, with the T if we can get TV exposure, the price purse goes up, that, that draws attention. And there's no comparison to obviously cycling or tennis or golf um, or the dollar amount talks a little bit. And, and that talks to the big guys who are filming it and the sponsors and so on. If you're a first timer and I, and I, 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 you know, I talk a lot about my experience in 2012 when I went back and did, you know, half a dozen half Ironmans, I struggled so much with the hydration and the nutrition, primarily really the nutrition. So I, I talk a lot about this, you know, this part of try. So the haves and the fools where it's swim, bike, run, and then there's actually two other sports, hydration and nutrition. I couldn't get it figured out. Finally, I got it dialed. But if you're talking to a first time, these, these guys and gals are going to race in, in three or four days time in Kona uh, for the first time. What is this? Just the, the one or two. What can they not mess up? They have to nail it. And, 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 and again, they don't have much experience with this, so they haven't tried and tested things. And most likely they are going to be parked on the side of the road because they are going to get it wrong. What can we let's sneak them because, uh, you know, it's my it's my hope and my goal that a lot of them listen to this. Why wouldn't you? Dave Scott, Mark yeah. Allen. Um, just just a couple pro tips. Do not screw this up, yeah. whatever this is. Well, this there's a, there's a great question uh, where people kind of go wrong is a couple of days before. And, and you know, recognizing the race starts early, they're going to have an early breakfast, whatever that is. I always tell people a couple of days before races here Saturday. So Thursday night and Friday night, finish your dinner at six o'clock. And that'll give you enough transit time to get rid of that, 
you know, by on on race day, you're not finished dinner at nine thirty at night and wondering, gee, I feel kind of bloated. Mm. I'd sure like to hit the toilet before I start this race. And a lot of people kind of set themselves up for a bad day just for that single thing. The second thing is that a lot of people, you know, think they're camels; they can store an infinite amount of fluid. And so they say, gee, it's going to be a hot race in Kona. Well, yeah, it's hot. But we're not camels, and so they either take too many electrolytes, which they should not do, or they take too much water, which they should not do, and that can reduce their blood sodium levels and, and contribute to a pre-hyponatremic condition before the gun goes off. And I see a lot of people, you know, they're, they're sucking on their bottles like it's a pacifier. They said, you know, don't, don't do that because you, you really want to uh, lose some of that water. And the last one is when they get out of T1 in the transition area, you know, they've got a buffet table. They've got anything you want there. Just run right by it. Don't touch anything. Don't touch your water, your fluid replacement drink. I've had kind of a steadfast rule. You want to lose what's called your interstitial water. You want to lose some of that fluid that you're holding. You do a little bit on the swim, but get out on the bike and start sweating. Get your breathing rate up, heart rate up. About 20 minutes, then possibly introduce your fluid replacement drink. But they really need to wait. You know, if they're doing a race here in Kona, the first part of the bike is miserable. You're kind of going up and down through town, backside of Polani. It's murderous. And that's a little less than five miles. You really shouldn't, for most of the athletes, shouldn't touch anything during that segment. Yeah, interesting. You know, when you came onto the scene, this was a sport pretty much dominated by Americans. And you saw a lot of Americans on the podium for a long, long time. It hasn't happened since 2002. Is there something, and I imagine you keep an eye on everything going on, is there something like the Germans and Swiss are doing really, really well that you're emulating? Or is it just, you know, waiting for that next American to come along? What do you think? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a difficult thing to put my crystal ball here in front of me. I, I think a lot of the Americans uh, don't necessarily have the, the background or the buildup. And so you see a lot of the Germans. I'm not really sure when Jan Ferdano started, but in, in his teens. And then he raced ITU short course. And I've always told my athletes, I said, don't lose that top end. And that, and that included Chrissy Wellington and Craig Alexander. They got it. They've got to include this higher intensity interval training. I think a lot of people think, gee, if I just go long, I keep going long, 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 I'm going to get faster. And uh, and that's a that's a really big, big mistake. So, uh, you know, and I think we're looking at Americans. Maybe they're behind a little bit. We've got, you know, there's several that are are very, very tough. Uh, Tim O'Donnell and Ben Hoffman come to mind, and Ben Canute, a young guy who's coming up, who was second in the 70.3 Worlds. You know, they're there, and if I was coaching them. Uh, you know, I would say don't lose that top end. And I always did VO2 sets with Chrissy and Craig, and I did it myself. And I was kind of manic about uh, doing the high-end stuff. So they're behind. I'll say the Americans are behind a little bit. I'm hoping that they, you know, are doing the right things in their training, and they can make a dent. But I think a lot of European countries, the Aussies as well, the Kiwis, they have a head start because their youth programs are more developed. Interesting. I just looked up Jan Ferdano's Wikipedia page. So he was a swimmer as a kid, and he started triathlons in 2000. And then, of course, in 2000, 2000 won the yeah. Olympics. But he swims like an Olympian. He rides super steady, and then he gets off the bike and, and you know, just flies on the run. And, but if you look at this Wikipedia page of, you know, 40 years of first, second, third, at least on the men's side, I mean, you really only see three flags. You see American flags, German flags, and Australian flags. And, and last yeah. year, of course, first, second, and third, we're all Germans, and, and a lot of people are projecting that again this year. How could we improve the youth programs? I mean, besides money. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, the funding obviously is paramount. I mean, I think one of the things in the school system is that a lot of the physical education programs here in the states have been dissolved, and so kids aren't required to do any sort of exercise. They can just sit in front of their bloody computers all day long. So I, I think that, you know, I think it bring that back because that mind-body connection is huge. And, you know, physiologists know this, and it's a big oversight. Oh, we're going to drop that. I, you know, it, it's got to be back in the school system and at least give the kids the opportunity. And these hot spots will develop around the country where all of a sudden one of the PE coaches yeah. is also a triathlon guy or a cycling coach or running coach. And they're going to nurture these kids at a young, young, young age. And we're going to see them start to crystallize in their uh, early teens. But we don't have the system yet. And, and it really has to, I think it has to start in the school system or we develop bona fide club programs when they get out of school, just like soccer here in this country has grown quite a bit, we, we need to have the same type of program. And that's really, I think, paramount for triathlon to grow and, and also to, to, you know, to, to breed the quality of athlete that we want. Hmm. I wonder if Ironman can play. I mean, when I say Ironman, I'm not, it's interesting because I think when people hear Ironman, they think about the event this weekend. They, they think, oh, that thing over there, but they don't, I mean, this is a, this is a, a massive business now. I mean, you know, hundreds and hundreds of events and, and virtually every part of the world, every country, you know, just sold to a major Chinese company for hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. I wonder if there's a role. I mean, if I'm them, I'm thinking, OK, what's going to happen in 20 years from now? Are, are, are kids going to be into obstacle course races? Are they going to go back to just wanting to do I mean, you got to somehow I would think that they can play a role or can and should play a role there. Yeah, I think Wanda, the parent company of Ironman, uh, you know, they've got the resources. So, you know, if it came from then that we want to do these developmental programs and the kids are have some kind of three days a week where they have an activity and they start these, I, I think, you know, it's it's very doable. And it's kind of the, you know, resurgence that we've seen. I, I, I use, keep using soccer as a pretty good model. It started in tennis as well. Maybe that's diffused a little bit. Golf has certainly gone down. But I think it... You know, it certainly has potential and it, you know, it can be a what feels like a team sport where you're, where you're with your people. But, you know, Lance, as you know, when you're out there kind of doing your thing and you're by yourself, you, you develop that innate ability psychologically to say, all right, I can I can go a little bit harder. I can push myself a little bit further. Now, that person behind me, I'm going to I'm going <laughs> right. to I'm going to tease them now. Right. Here I go. Right. And, and I think kids, you know, you don't give them a a blue ribbon for participating you give them a blue ribbon for being hungry and they have to earn it over time and I, i've got three kids and i you know it just kind of drove me crazy and i keep using soccer that you know these these kids would get anything and everything after a soccer game i said that's nonsense that's utter nonsense make them earn the bloody thing <laughs> what speaking of your kids one of your sons is a professional as well professional triathlete yeah, Drew, he's uh, 26. Uh, he's had a whole bucket of injuries. He kind of qualified for Ironman here in 2011, really on a whim. He exercised for about three weeks. He was a Nordic skier in mm. college, and uh, he qualified in Lubbock, actually. And, and uh, at that time, it was a 70.3 race, and he came over here in 2011. That was the historic year that Chrissy was in shambles. I was coaching her. I was a wreck because I had my son. I was coaching him at the time. And, Chrissy had gone down and, and Drew fell on top of Chrissy. They were doing their last ride before they were coming over to Kona. So I had these two now physically marred athletes. And Drew was young. Uh, Chrissy was defending her title and she, she just was a mess. I mean, it looked like someone had taken a cheese grater to her whole mm. body. And, and uh, 
and she, you know, had a miraculous day and won. Drew had a cast on, was leading the amateurs uh, at, at, on the cycling leg at Hodby and ended up getting two flats and had to wait because he couldn't actually roll the, <laughs> to roll his tire off. So uh, he had a good day. Anyway, your, your question, he's, uh, he's had a lot of, a lot of injuries, uh, two stress fractures in his foot. He fractured his spine in uh, South Africa right be before the race this year. He broke his clavicle with his dad and another buddy out on a ride. <laughs> And he's just been a mess. He really hasn't had a year of training, so I'm hoping he can uh, reignite the flame. I can't let you go without asking this because we talked to Mark about it. Your first time meeting each other, uh, you, Dave, and, and meeting Lance as this 15-year-old punk kid uh, busting on yeah. the scene out of Dallas. Do you remember the first time you met and what was going through your head? And I want the uh, same thing from you, Lance. Yeah, yeah, I said, God, this this kid is really brash and arrogant. No, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Yeah, no, I said, God, how can he act like this? You know, it's a young little prepubescent kids coming in here to race the big boys. And I honestly don't recall the race. I remember Chan McRae was also, he's around your age, Lance, and he kind of raced at the same time. And, and, uh, I remember talking to your mom. Your, your mother's the same age as I. Am, right. I think. I didn't want to and, say that, uh, but yes. No, I, you know, and I brought it up. You know, I thought I'd bring that up. And, and I thought, well, she's really sweet. And, and uh, you know, she's got a son that's pretty darn talented. So, you know, when I realized that uh, you're 15 years old, but boy, the last thing I want to do is lose to you. And, and, and a lot of people have posted this race. It was 89, I think, in early 89, I think. I'm not really sure. Maybe it's 88. It was in Miami. Miami. U US, USTS Miami. Yeah, USTS Miami. There were three of us. We got off the bike together. I couldn't get rid of you. And we started the run. There's a shot. It, it's on YouTube. A lot of people have commented about it. And they say, oh, that's Lance. And I, I said, just remember one thing. I beat him that day, okay? <laughs> he just completely fell apart on the run. Yep. So, you know, I, you know, I, I, obviously I have uh, vivid memories in, in a lot of ways. And, uh, and I always think, you know, the, the opportunity, obviously, lands for you in, in triathlon was immense. And, and um, you decided to make that switch in, in, in cycling. But I think you put, the, you put the fear of death in a, <laughs> in a lot of the triathletes, including the old, old season ones. That my favorite uh, memory of that day that that USTS and for the listener at home who's new to try or doesn't know anything about it USTS was the big it was the United States triathlon series it was went all around the country you know before Ironman was what it was USTS was this huge thing Bud Light was the sponsor blah 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 and so this was the Miami stop I was there I loved racing in South Florida <clears throat> and you, you you're right you you dusted uh, both me and Steve Fitch in the run uh, and, and you were winning easily and I, but I was running in second and I got away from Steve Fitch and about half a mile before, I will never, ever, ever forget this, about a half a mile before the finish line. And this wasn't a, it was a weird thing cause I, did, I hadn't eaten any, I mean, I had done all the normal stuff. I was like, I have to throw up. And I started a half mile before the finish. I just start just vomiting profusely. And so Fitch, Steve Fitch catches me, pats me on the ass and says, Hang in there, man. You, you got third. Hang in there. And I stopped throwing up. And then the words hit me. I was like, hang in? What? And Fitch, I love Steve Fitch. And I was like, no, this is bullshit. And I was done throwing up. And I just started sprinting. And I went straight past him and got second behind the greatest Ironman triathlete that's ever lived. And, and Fitch was, to this day, anytime I see her talk, he's like, man, I, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, I just, it was so weird.
Anyways, good memories. <laughs> that was that competitive uh, hunger that came out, Lance. It's, uh, you, you never lose it. Nope, nope, nope. Well, uh, I think it's pretty remarkable that just about anybody can pick up the phone or send an email and get some coaching from the one and only Dave Scott. DaveScottInc.com is the website. A uh, little quick insight of the, what most of your clientele are like and what they get. And I know there's probably different well, levels we, of it. Yeah, I have different levels and I have some online programs that I can kind of customize. For example, I can put down their, uh, their work rates, their intensity. If, if they use uh, power meters on the bike, then I'll design a program for that. So they get that. They get an online program. I can tweak it a little bit. And, and I do answer their questions as best I can if they send me an email, email. I mean, a lot of people will have about 30 questions. I say, well, that's a little bit long. Uh, I still do some Skype consults. And as I mentioned, I, I have four camps at uh, Hawaii, four seasons that will start again in January and go through August. So they can go to the website and come to mine and take a look. And uh, Which for, for the for really the easy to find. Yeah, for the listener at home, I mean, Hualalai, that's the four seasons there on the big island. I mean, if, if you're going to go, it's one thing to have the opportunity to have a training camp with Dave Scott. But, I mean, it isn't like, you know, you're on top of the Taida in Tenerife and there ain't shit to do. I mean, this is... You, you will be you will be wondering why am I going for a bike ride? I mean, if this is as luxurious and as great and as opulent as it gets, and so if you can combine the two, I mean, why not? I'm, Again, maybe I need yes. to sign up. Dave, you were giving me grief, and I told Mark this year, like, why don't you come over here and do this in person? I'll get you in shape. And and I told Mark, I said, <laughs> I said, uh, I would love to be there because I love the Big Island. Um, but my son is a senior. He plays high school football. He's massive. And next Friday night is he goes to Westlake High School. They're playing Lake Travis High School, which is 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 the biggest rivalry that we have. And and so I I will be there Friday night. But come 2018, we will we will be doing this in person. Very cool. Yeah. And I I, I actually I, I actually have one other question because I'm such a swimmer a swim geek. Uh, do you still swim? Lance, hey, you see these? Can you see that on camera? Well, I'm, 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 I mean, I'm, you look, you look fit as a fiddle. I'm like, what, what place could he get at 63? Let's lay, I'll lay some odds, all the listeners. I got some. Um, okay, here's my yeah, question. I still, I still work out like a demon, actually. So you know, and that's probably a pathological problem that I have. Is that you know, I, I, I need my, I need my exercise fix. So yes, I, I swim. Four days a week, at least five days if I can. Uh, I do a lot of higher intensity training, so I, I don't feel like I got to get 5,000 meters in. But maybe, you know, distance wise, sometimes I get in four. Actually, yesterday I swam 4,600 here in Kona, but uh, that's yards. Uh, a little bit more than 4,000 meters. But I did a lot of it hard and some of it kind of soft, which you should be doing physiologically and metabolically. You should be doing that. So, yeah, I've uh, you come out here in 18, we'll, we'll do a, a good tough set together. What? Uh, okay, so here's my question. So, what? If, if, and I'm talking about going off the block, uh, what could you do the 500 free in now? Ooh, I don't know. I, I, best, uh, best guess, best fast. guess. Um, whew, it's probably just in the teens somewhere. You know, I, I think maybe 515 or 518. Are you shitting there. me? You're sitting here, you're afraid to admit that it's 63 or 515. I mean, come on, Dave. That's 103s. <laughs> the listeners going, well, this I, man, I, I, you are, I, I, you are sick. <laughs> <laughs> that's all talk you know and everyone who, who's going to listen to this and say there's no way you can do that we, we have a meter pool in boulder you know we're 5400 feet and, and it's slow as beans um and and i used to be able to do anything on a 120 
meter send off. It was, you know, 10, 300s. I'd do that. I wouldn't do that now. I still try to do, you know, some of the, some of the repeats under 120 or leave it on 120 uh, meters of altitude. I, I can still do that. Uh, you know, at 125 makes a world of difference. So I don't know in a straight 500, I'm not really sure what I could, what I could do. Maybe that was something, maybe that's pretty lofty. And I think a lot of people would say, oh, that's a bunch of crap. Yeah, whatever. Are what you sure that? you want to go over there next year? No, I'm I'm in. I'm, I'm, I want to I want to tune up with the fancy training camp at the Hualalai. You know, the Four Seasons. Yeah, you should come. That's, you should come over, Lance. We have I, a good time. I got all the secret roads over there too. I can show you, Dave. Mm, all well, right. I like to know. I, I I've ridden along that Queen K a lot of miles, and uh, uh, if you've got some new ones, actually, there's some nice climbs close by which are pretty nice yeah the key that the well i'll tell you offline i don't want to get in trouble for saying it to you know hundreds of thousands of people all right dave thank you so much yeah this has been great and thanks to uh life-size communications we're able to join with dave via his phone from hawaii and it's uh it's been fantastic yeah thank you very much yeah y'all have a good time over there have a great day thank you tell your son to win that game i'll report back all righty take care